You're listening to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott, and later in the show, we're going to revisit when we took the show on the road to Seattle for a live performance from grunge pioneers Mud Honey. But first, we've got a list of our favorite songs for virtual vacations. Greg, I know it's true for you as well, but I am going stir-crazy, and it <laughs> seems ingracious just to even complain about it when so many people have it so much worse and are suffering and those on the front lines at, at uh, grocery stores, in trucks, or in the hospitals are really risking their lives so that we can be safe. So, you know, for them, as much as for us, we decided, uh, as a great idea that our producer Alex Claiborne had, what if we took some trips with music? If only in our heads, in the yeah. space between the headphones, we're going to leave our homes in anticipation of the day when soon we will have real vacations again. Yes, indeed, Jim. Uh, speaking of vacations, uh, that uh, prompted uh, my first choice here as a virtual vacation track. Uh, I've spent a lot of time in Georgia over the last 30, 40 years because of uh, the fact that I have in-laws in Georgia. My wife's family moved down there from Illinois right around the time we got married and have been there ever since. When we had kids, that was our vacation. You know, We weren't going anywhere. We were taking them to see their you know, grandma and grandpa down in Georgia outside of Atlanta. Gladys Knight and the Pips performed one of many great songs about Georgia. The song Midnight Train to Georgia, their big hit from 73. Mm-hmm written by one Jim Weatherly, a guy who wrote about a dozen songs for Gladys Knight, and they were great. This is one of the greatest. I love this song. I, I think the the beauty of it is it talks about this, this person who's gone to L.A., and it proved too much for the man, so he's leaving the life he's come to know. He said he's going back to find what's left of his world, the world he left behind not so long ago. I always found, for me, Georgia represented a sanctuary. It was a place to go downtime for me, uh, a place to regroup, uh, you know, in between work stints, chill out, spend some time with relatives, let the kids spend some time with their grandparents. And it was just a a wonderful break from the routine, uh, which we, for the time being, can't do. So I'm going to send this out to all my relatives in, in Georgia who I miss very much. Gladys Knight and the Pips, Midnight Train to Georgia on Sound Opinions. For the man, too much for the man. He could make it. So he's leaving the life he's come to know. He said he's going. He said he's going back to find. Going back to find. What's left of his world? The world he left behind. Midnight Train to Georgia from Gladys Knight and the Pips, one of my virtual vacation tracks. Jim, you got one for us next. I do, Greg. I'm going to India. 
I have never been there. <laughs> and I don't know, you know, if it's on the top of my vacation designs in the future, but India Song, the India Song from Big Star's number one record, is, I think, a great example of a pop song that projects being in another place. And it does it so well and so viscerally that you can feel the humid warmth of India around you while you listen to this song. You know, it stands out on number one record uh, because it was written by the bassist, Andy Hummel, who died in 2018, when, you know, Big Star was driven by one of the best songwriting teams in the history of popular music, right up there for my money with Lennon McCartney or uh, Colin Moulding and Andy Partridge of XTC, Chris Bell and Alex Chilton. And then here comes this little song, and it is, it's a short song with only two verses that is so evocative. Uh, I'd like to go to India live in a big white house in the forest, drink gin and tonic and play a grand piano, read a few books far from what hardens my heart. I just love that song and mm -hmm. that imagery. I guess, you know, we could say it's a little bit like the best of Rudyard Kipling, a little imperialistic maybe, but I don't think so. I think it's a song about love and longing to be in a place that is exotic and foreign and uh, anywhere but here right now. Big Star, the India song on Sound Opinions. India song by Big Star, a little lost gem by a lost cult favorite band. Greg, you got another vacation pick? That's a great choice, Jim. I do. Um, my first couple of picks here are going to be a little nostalgic. I'm uh, talking about places that I have been to and long to see again. The first song I, I played uh, from Gladys Knight and the Pips was about Georgia, a state that I visited many times over the decades. And the next song I'm going to play is about Austin, Texas. Uh, Jim, you know a little bit about Austin as well as I do. Yeah, I, I merely went to South by Southwest 19 years in a row. I think you were up at 22 <laughs> or 23. No, I was um, I was up to, uh, this would have been my 31st year in a row going to uh, South by Southwest in March. 
I miss uh, it. I did not go for the first time. The whole conference got canceled. Even if I wanted to go, it wouldn't uh, wouldn't have been able to. Uh, and I do miss Austin at this time of year. It was uh, one of those cities you go to to uh, enjoy the food, enjoy the people, enjoy the great music that's there. And uh, this song pays tribute to Austin, although it's somewhat buried. You kind of got to know your geography and your your scenery if you if you do appreciate it as an Austin song. It was written by the then-Austin-based band Spoon from the album Girls Can Tell in 2001. And it describes the relationship that uh, singer Burt Daniel had with one Eleanor Friedberger, then of Fiery Furnaces. She was a student uh, at the University of Texas in Austin. And this song sort of frames that relationship around... It's, it, Eleanor is never named in the song, but uh, you can tell that that's who it's about. Because he's talking about a 19-year-old woman at the um, standing outside of Sound Exchange, this great record store in Austin, Texas, that I used to frequent, and I know that you went there, Jim. Uh, mm-hmm. That was the place for people to find really cool stuff from the Austin scene, as well as a diverse array of, of records from around the world. But what it really highlighted was what was going on in the Austin underground in a really profound way. And then it had that really cool frog painting on the side of the building by Daniel Johnston, oh, yeah. <laughs> the great musician. So it was a landmark in Austin. It's, it's no longer there, but I miss it. Uh, I miss Austin. Uh, I wish I was there again this year. I mean, maybe again soon. Spoon with anything you want on Sound Opinions. When you got the guns turned 180 degrees And finding out if it adds all up right That is anything you want from Spoon talking about uh, Austin, Texas. You know, I, I'm envious of you because I was going to uh, try to go choosing songs based on my favorite vacations ever. And uh, it, it was difficult. Uh, I had a wonderful time in Montreux. But, you know, aside from uh, Smoke on the Water by Deep <laughs> Purple, right? You know, and the two best vacations I've ever taken in my life, and, and Carmel, my wife, agrees. One was to uh, the Naples Campania region of Italy from whence came Grandpa Alberto and Grandma Rose. And the other was to the Piedmont region in the north of Italy. And they're just, you know, I, there's a, like a few Dean Martin era songs, but there's yeah. <laughs> nothing about the specific places in Italy that I wish I was 
is at right now. Uh, however, this is a great song about both Italy and something more. Rome Wasn't Built in a Day by Morciba. I go like years forgetting uh, how much I loved Morciba in the late 90s and early 2000s, and then I get on this kick again where I play their entire catalog over and over and over. This wonderful trip-hop was the phrase at the time, folk, rock, pop, a psychedelic trio uh, with an incredible vocalist, Sky Edwards, and two brothers who were electronic music mavens, Paul and Ross Godfrey. And, you know, the kind of uh, hypnotic grooves and sensual uh, grooves that they created uh, are just unforgettable. Rome Wasn't Built in a Day, a 2000 song from their third studio album, Fragments of Freedom, was a big hit in the UK, not so much here in the US, but I think it, it might be their best known song for many people. And it's uh, both about the incredible city of Rome, but also about longing. I'm having a daydream. We're getting somewhere. I'm kissing your lips and running fingers through your hair. I'm as nervous as you about making it right. You know, but remember, Rome wasn't built in a day. In other words, this isn't happening now, but it will <laughs> someday. And I can't wait until we get to that day. Here's more Chiba on Sound Opinions. Chiba, Rome wasn't built in a day. Greg, uh, the group comes together still every couple of years and puts out new recordings. After a short break, we will return with more virtual vacation songs. Get your passports ready on Sound Opinions, and we will take a trip to Seattle to revisit an afternoon of live music that we spent in that great city with Mud Honey. That's all coming up in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My partner in his basement is Greg Cott. <laughs> we are still social distancing, but we are dreaming, Greg, of better days when we can vacation. Your editor at the Tribune used to think that we lived together in a house like the monkeys. <laughs> I thought or, we did. Or the Beatles. Uh, yeah, yeah. Was, uh, so, of course, we vacationed together, right? On that trip to Piedmont, you were, you were into the Barolo heavy, as I recall. 
Mm-hmm. I know. I love Barolo. <laughs> uh, and I'll go to Italy anytime. Uh, you know, let's go to Europe. I just love going there. And uh, this song obviously puts you in that place. It's Kraftwerk with uh, Europe Endless. From 1977, the title of the record that it's from, Trans-Europe Express, the whole album is built around that theme, the Trans-Europe Express, that uh, first-class railway service, international service, that uh, covered Western and Central Europe from the 60s into the mid-90s. And you could see the future outside your window as you zipped across the countryside through 130 cities if you wanted to. An incredible way to see Europe via the highest technology available at the time for for train service. And I think uh, Kraftwerk expressed the hope and possibility and the romanticism and wonder of that new technology in this song, that uh, the sound of that high-speed train, the rapture as the world is passing by your window, and, you know, combining it with the latest in technology uh, musically as well. They were working with this uh, custom-made sequencer, on that album for the first time, creating this matrix of uh, electronic rhythm that was the underpinning for the song. And that album uh, became a real signpost for the Detroit techno artists. And uh, Africa Bombada famously sampled the title song uh, for the uh, hip-hop hit Planet Rock in the early 80s. So this was a hugely influential record musically, and it was also a record that expressed the new hope for Europe in sort of the post-World War climate, and here is the continent coming into the new age full of wonder and possibility. Kraftwerk with Europe Endless on Sound Opinions. By the mighty Kraftwerk, a great pick, Mr. Cott. I know I speak for both of us, since we are both huge fans, when I say that we were very sad indeed to hear that that group's co-founder, Florian Schneider, 
died recently at the age of 73, mid-April, from cancer. The last actual uh, plane trip I took uh, before the world shut down, uh, hopefully only temporarily, was to Southern California. I got to do a speaking engagement uh, uh, about Lester Bangs in his native El Cajon. Um, Again, there are no songs about El Cajon, but there's a great song about Southern California and El Segundo. Outside of Los Angeles, uh, on the the Santa Monica Bay, uh, you know, I I loved A Tribe Called Quest. And like most uh, hip-hop fans, I will say that their second album, The Low End Theory, uh, was the masterpiece, where they really brought in uh, a deep love of and knowledge of uh, jazz into into this kind of alternative hip-hop sound. On the first album, People's Instinctive Travels and the Paths of Rhythm, they were still finding uh, their way. Uh, and, and I think a lot of people could dismiss I Left My Wallet in El Segundo as kind of a novelty track. Um, you know, I, I think that that slights it. Uh, it doesn't get much better than a Chambers Brothers sample. We got a little bit of funky as the main hook in there. And it's a really kind of a good-natured story of leaving your wallet somewhere. The waitress at this this diner picks it up and then going back to retrieve it and realizing I want to stick around here a little longer. This is a lot of fun. I think in in part because of the waitress. Uh, You know, what was so important in that wallet? Uh, Yo, it was a brown wallet. It had props numbers. Had my Jimmy hats. I got to get it, man. Got got to get it. (laughs) It's it's a silly song, right? But I love it. Uh, How could you not be happy when you listen to I Left My Wallet in El Segundo? Tribe Called Quest on Sound Opinions. Anyway, a gas station we passed. We got gas and went on to get grub. It was a nice little pub in the middle of nowhere. Anywhere would have been better. I ordered enchiladas and I ate them. Ali had the fruit punch. When we finished, we thought for ways to get back. I had a hunch. Ali said, pay for lunch. So I did it. Pulled out the wallet and I saw this wicked, beautiful lady. She was a waitress there. Put the wallet down and stared and stared to put me back into reality. Here's Shahid. Yo, tip man, you got what you need? I checked for keys and started to step. What do you know? My wallet, I forget. Yo, it was a brown wallet. Had props numbers. Had my Jimmy hats. I gotta get it, man. Lord, have mercy. The heat got hotter. Ali starts to curse me. I feel bad, but he makes me feel better. Chit, chit, chatter. Car starts to scatter. Breaking on out, we was northeast bound. Jetting on down at the speed of sound. Three days coming and three more going. We get back and there was no slack. 490 man. Listen, we're here, shy. He said, all right, Chip, see you tomorrow. Thinking about the past week, the last week. Hands go in my pocket, I can't speak. Hop in the car and torpede to the shack. Cause Shahid, we gotta go back. When he said why, I said we gotta go. Cause I left my wallet in El Segundo. Yeah, I left my wallet in El Segundo. Left my wallet in El Segundo. Left my wallet in El Segundo. I gotta get it. I got got to get it. Left my wallet in El Segundo. I left my wallet in El Segundo. Gotta get it. Got, got to get it, Mr. God. <laughs> Try cold glass. <laughs> Love that song. Great choice. Uh, I'm gonna stay in the uh, hip hop world here for a second, Jim. Lupe Fiasco's uh, Paris, Tokyo. This is a track he concocted uh, to sort of memorialize that period between his first and second album when he went from 
a local Chicago MC into a international star and traveled the world, basically, um, and got to see all sorts of cool places. Tokyo, Paris. Uh, let's go to sleep in Paris, wake up in Tokyo, have a dream in New Orleans, you know. Uh, it would it, it, just basically a travel log of his experiences going around the world at the time. But why I picked this song in particular is because the, you know, there, as usual with Lupe, there's more to it than just meets the eye initially, and and it's really a song. It's a, it, it's it's really a love song. It, he had he had fallen in love with a woman in Chicago, and this song talks about the idea of well, I'm on the road for two months at a time, seeing all these amazing places. But I, I do miss the woman that I love back home. And he's telling her that everywhere I go, you're still with me mentally and in spirit. You know, I, I, still, I still feel your presence with me. So it's a beautifully expressed uh, sentiment. One that I uh, bring to my and our current situation uh, is that even though we are denied many things now because we can't really travel, we can't really go out of our homes in some cases, as is the case with my my father in in a retirement home, we we still have, you know, one door closes, another opens, and you know, uh, getting to spend more time with your immediate family is a real gift. You don't ha- often have those times, but being able to spend more time with my wife and you know my daughters is really something that we, you know let's appreciate that uh, if we can if we can uh, because you know even though we can't do many things, there are other things that we can we can appreciate at this moment. So I appreciate this song for that reason. Lupe Fiasco, Paris, Tokyo, on Sound Opinions. I know, I know, but I gotta get up out of here, you know? I gotta go pay these bills. I got a show to do, you know? One time for your mom. Let's go to sleep in Paris. Wake up in Tokyo. Have a dream in New Orleans. Wanna love in Chicago. Man. I love her. And I hate to leave her lonely Ring, ring, went the iPhone It was my homie He said, let's hit Japan If we can make them jam We can make a hundred grand Spend it in the south of France Nothing further I jumped, grab my Goyard trunk Got ready to walk it out Like Unk in my jump And then Chucks That's when I heard murder You're killing me and filling me with sorrow Sunrise, goodbyes And missing you tomorrows I turn to see my dream Love supreme queen Ain't a thing gonna sing Cry I drop my bags in the flash That's faster than 180 on the dash Sir, to dry your tears and wipe the rain from my dear like dasher use the dame who's the username to all my passwords the reason i get fly is i've been jasper i even keep your picture in my passport love love Fiasco with Paris, Tokyo from his great album, The Cool, in 2007. Jim, uh, you've got one more virtual vacation song for us, right? I do, uh, Mr. Cott. As long as we've been doing sound opinions these last, what, 38 years or something, uh, (laughs) I've been trying to talk you into taking an indie rock 1980s-style road trip with me. You know, we rent a van. We visit every city where where we are on terrestrial radio. We go to the clubs. We go to the record stores. And you're always like, you know, you go, Jim, and check in from the road. Maybe after this this period of uh, isolation, you'll you'll finally be willing. But to me, there is one song that perfectly has always encapsulated that 
80s wanderlust, which I think, you know, you can draw a straight line from the 80s indie touring roadmap that sprung up and still exists today from there to its predecessor the the cross-country trips of jack kerouac and on the road right this idea that the real america little america as rem calls it in the song i'm going to play is out there and we can we can tap into it and go experience it this was from the second REM album, Reckoning, which was more pared down, a little more direct, a little less mysterious than that incredible debut murmur, although you still couldn't understand what Michael Stipe was singing all of the time. In some ways, according to the REM lyrics parsers, A Little America is about that old, weird, southern culture. Who will tend the farm museums? Who will dust today's belongings, right? The weird little museums and roadside attractions that sprinkle throughout the South. Of course, there is that uh, line that jumps out. Jefferson, I think we're lost. Mm, yeah. Some people say Jefferson Davis, the leader of the Confederacy. Jefferson Holt was the fifth member of REM, their friend and road manager and manager and spiritual advisor from the beginning, 1981 to 1996, left at that point amid some controversy that's never quite been explained, kind of written out of history books. When the group later performed it, Stipe would sing Washington, I think we're lost. But it's about a vision of America, and I think it's ultimately about uh, going out there and, and seeing it all, <laughs> the vastness of this country. The biggest wagon is the empty wagon. I think Stipe is singing about that touring van. And that's certainly what this says to me, because that was the dream we all had when, when we all wanted to be R.E.M., crossing the country in that rackety old van, sleeping on people's floors, playing small clubs, talking to the college radio station and the local fanzine writer. And uh, that's a world that's really threatened right now. Uh, it's been, you know, precarious to begin with. Let us hope it survives 2020. R.E.M., Little America sound opinions. I can't see myself in dirty out of buy a lack of dirty caught like flies. Reserve for tomorrow's jewelry. Look at it. Light it in the ammo. Green shell back, green shell back. Reserve for tomorrow's eyes in tree bear tar black wear sound. The biggest swagger is the empty wagon.
R.E.M. with Little America. Now that we've shared some of our favorite songs about traveling, what tunes would you take someplace that you can't get physically right now? Call us at 888-859-1800 and share your opinions. When we come back, we'll revisit a time we got to take an actual trip to see Mud Honey in Seattle. And we'll pay tribute to the great Little Richard. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott. He's Jim DeRogatis. And this week we're talking about virtual vacations. While we're unable to travel during this time, music can be a great escape. We're going to take a look back, Greg, at a part of a live event we did in Seattle, one of our favorite cities in America, with the incredible band Mudhoney in 2016. Let's all imagine we are in the Pacific Northwest. Do you smell the coffee? Enjoying some live music and conversation with one of the most underrated musical acts of the late 80s and early 90s. And Greg, they are still great today. That's a little bit of the band Mud Honey. We're going to be talking about the town where that band came from. We took a road trip to Seattle, the hometown of Mud Honey, and a lot of great music in the 80s and early 90s. I mean, that city was overflowing with musical talent. Major labels came a courting soon after, <laughs> but we forget sometimes that at the core of that was a great underground scene that began in the 80s with bands like the Melvins and Green River, which went on to spawn both Pearl Jam and Mud Honey. You had bands like Soundgarden recording for labels like Sub Pop, uh, which were one of the key indie labels of that particular era. You had Nirvana coming up and putting out yeah. uh, singles and albums for Sub Pop before they got signed to the majors. Pearl Jam came out of that city. You had major label superstars like Alice in Chains, but you also had bands that were resolutely underground for their entire careers like Tad. Somewhere in the middle of all that, and I think really epitomizing that scene best of all was the band Mud Honey, which, Jim, will forever be associated with that awful G word. Right? The G word. Well, <laughs> you know, it's notable that every band of any worth that came out of Seattle hated the word grunge. <laughs> that was a marketing phrase, not a musical phrase, but that's what's gone down in the history books. Mud Honey today is made up of singer guitarist Mark Arm, guitarist Steve Turner, drummer Dan Peters, and bassist Guy Madison. And they are as strong a group as they ever were. Something extraordinary to say about a band that's lasted three decades. We talk to them in front of a live audience at the Neptune Theater in Seattle, one of those great early, you know, 1900s movie palaces turned concert venues. I kick things off by asking about how they discovered their signature sound, that fuzzbox guitar. Steve, you, you, you've sort of become a god for a, a, a certain generation, a certain part particular type of guitar player, simply because of... The fuzz box. The fuzz box. <laughs> so explain Super Fuzz Big Muff to the world out there. You know, like I said, I didn't know much about rock and roll when I got into it. I got a guitar given to me for Christmas, and I got a little amp, and I couldn't make it sound like anything. I was like, I... Like, and I, I worked at a Japanese restaurant in Bellevue with this guy from uh, Vancouver, B.C., who'd been in a punk band called the Bludgeon Pigs. He'd been this these rad punk bands. He was a guitar player and stuff. He was kind of into, like, more, you know, pop kind of stuff. 
And so I was telling him, like, yeah, yeah, you know, so I knew he played guitar and stuff. And he had all these great stories. I was like, I just can't make it sound like, you know, what I want it to. Like, doesn't, like, so he goes, like, well, what kind of distortion pedal are you using? I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and he just kind of smiled. And the next day at work, he, he handed me a super fuzz pedal. And they like, plug this in to, to the amp and the guitar. Plug, you know, like, get a second chord. And, like, so I did that. And I was like, oh. <laughs> you know, like, you know, you know, broke the windows out. You know? And, uh. So that started the realization that there were these things called fuzz boxes out there, and uh, I've based everything on it. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, and I got the my first big muff. I bought it in 1984, and there was literally a stack like this tall on the floor of this music store, and they were $25 like closeout. So that was the first one that I got, and that's the one that's in the EMP. Like it actually got run over by our van at some point on tour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's in the museum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's hear one of the classic cuts off their Super Fuzz Big Muff EP, Touch Me, I'm Sick, live on Sound Opinions. Mud Honey's Touch Me, I'm Sick, live on Sound Opinions from the Neptune Theater in Seattle. Let's get back to our conversation with Mud Honey. Shortly before In Utero came out, I was interviewing Kurt Cobain and Chris Novoselic of Nirvana, and I asked them what I thought was the million-dollar question. 
Why was Smells Like Teen Spirit such a massive hit, but not Mud Honey's Touch Me, I'm Sick a few years earlier? Both of them, uh, in stunned uh, amazement, said it should have been. The Mud Honey song should have been a hit. Here's how lead singer Mark Arm and guitarist Steve Turner responded to that. It's way, yeah, it's way too gnarly sounding. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a way rawer song. It's like doesn't have... Uh, uh, like the production values on Nevermind are yeah. pretty clean. Yeah, Way um, slick, yeah. I mean, the guitar's loud, but it's like it's not... There's no super fuzz and there's no big muff. <laughs> we never we never expected that, and that wasn't yeah. a goal. And it, why would we think that would happen? That's what we were always like. Right. Like when we would in the early '90s, like the English press was always asking these guys, like, "So, do you expect to get big?" It's like, "No, we do not." Right. Like, like because why would we? Have you heard us? <laughs> well, because <laughs> you know, like, we're always talking like we're not expecting anything and we're not going to be disappointed because it's not going to happen. Like right. bottom line, it ain't we gonna, had a pretty good happen. view of like the history of most of the bands that we love, like the MC5 and the Stooges right. and Blue Cheer had a weird one-off hit, Black um, Flag, like, Black, right. yeah, the Scientists, Legends, like all these legendary bands, the Birthday you know. Party, you know, yeah, it goes on and on and Radio on. Radio Birdman, yeah, yeah, the Saints. Yeah. Ooh, everybody loves us. Everybody loves our town. That's why I'm thinking lately. Don't believe in it now. Hey, 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 hey. Hey, 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 hey. Hey, 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 hey. It's so You're listening to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott with Jim DeRigatis. We're here in Seattle with uh, Mud Honey. Um, so, one of the things that we loved about Seattle, because I think you share a certain uh, sensibility with Chicago in terms of the absolute sarcasm that you approached anything approaching, you know, like, oh, the big industry's coming in and telling us we're fine now. They're anointing us. Looking back, uh, huge amount of attention. Uh, would it have been better if? the industry had not paid attention. I mean, would it have changed anything? What, how did it influence the kind of music that was made here, the types of bands that were here? Was it a good thing, a positive thing, now that you've got some hindsight on it? Well, I think in the long run, the whole major label thing was detrimental to the underground scene. I think uh, it made people think that they could do it too, and people kind of either watered down or gave up when they didn't make it, you know, and... Um, you know, in the 80s, the Butthole Surfers were a really, really weird band. Yeah. And in the 90s, they did a song that sounded like Beck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you know, or Soul Asylum was like a really, really great band. And then they did Runaway Train, <laughs> you know. And they're yeah. still playing state fairs today. <laughs> you know, the, the idea of like being a huge band when I was coming up was like, you know, maybe playing a venue this size. And that was like yeah. a huge band yeah. to me. You know? That would be making it. Yeah, yeah. Mud Honey, live in Seattle back in 2016. It was fun, Jim, to take a little trip to the Pacific Northwest and revisit that 80s, 90s era of music with that band. You ain't kidding, Greg. I can't wait until we get to go back. 
To listen to the full interview, it is episode 563 on our website, soundopinions.org, where we have tons of stuff to listen to. A lot of fun episodes over the years if you are bored. Silly. That is the immortal rock and roll classic Long Tall Sally by Little Richard, his first number one on the R&B charts in 1956. Little Richard, Richard Penniman, one of rock and roll's originators and true originals, has died at the age of 87 from cancer. Very sad news indeed, Jim. When people talk about the inventors of rock and roll, I think Little Richard belongs at the very top of the list. There was no one that sounded like him when he started recording with specialty records in the mid-50s. That, that run, voice. That run from 1955 to about 57 was incredible. 18 charting hits in that span of little over two years. And what was it about the sound? His very first song was called Tutti Fruity. And the guys in on the recording session in New Orleans were all going, this doesn't sound like anything else we've ever heard before. <laughs> like, what is this? They didn't even think of it was music. I mean, somebody like Hugh Piano Smith would watch Little Richard play piano and go, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. But he's just pounding those keys yeah. and screaming. And, and Little Richard used to tell stories about the fact that he would get kicked out of church because he wasn't singing, he was screaming in church. He was feeling the spirit, and it was moving him, that reverie. And he brought that in to the rock and roll well, he was recording. The church is, is definitely a part of the story. I mean, Little Richard is 14 years old, and a gospel legend, a church music legend, Sister Rosetta Tharp, hears him uh, singing. And really, he begins to perform from that moment on. He does. And, Jim, the other thing about Richard that was so important to future generations of rock and roll was his starring role in The Girl Can't Help It. He was appearing as Little Richard in that movie, and people saw this guy with the mascara and the hair piled up, and they're going, what is this? It, it's like this person landed from another planet. Sexually ambiguous, he to was. say the least. He would, he would call himself omnisexual, bisexual, gay throughout his career. He was very open about it. His appearance was flamboyant, to say the least. He was a serious innovator on many, many levels, musically not the least. When you talk about a track like Tutti Frutti, written from a place of real anger, here is a guy who was openly omnisexual, as he said, a black man growing up in the segregated South, washing dishes, dishes that he couldn't even eat off of, right, the same right, restaurant right. that he was working at. And he said, I started thinking about this song, Tutti Frutti, as I was washing these dishes. All these nonsense words started coming up in his mind. I want to talk to my boss. I'm really angry at him, but I can't say it in the language that I want to use, so I'm going to speak in code. Tutti Frutti was a coded song. When he would perform it live, it would change every night. Audiences loved it. It was as nasty a song as you could possibly hear. The version you hear on record pretty cleaned up. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a clean up. version of Tutti Frutti. Yeah, but, but, but is it, Greg? I think that there's this Still between in the lines oh, that, yeah. you know, a wop bop a loop bop a wop bam boom right? Yeah. You know, what is he really singing about? We understand it on a visceral gut level. On paper. And even if we parse the words, they mean absolutely nothing. But they cannot be separated from the energy and power of the way, you know, the band pushes the music forward and that voice. That voice that inspired, you know, first the young Paul McCartney and John Lennon and Ocean Away. And then Every musician who followed. Paul McCartney, uh, 
you know, called him his greatest influence. John Lennon covered four Little Richard songs on his rock and roll cover album. Sam Cooke covered yep. his songs. Uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, the Everly Brothers, Springsteen, John Fogarty, Elvis Presley. You know, Presley knew who the real king of rock and roll was. He covered four Little Richard songs alone in 1956. So you have a guy here who was basically inventing the vocabulary of rock and roll with Earl Palmer on drums uh, during this uh, peak period. And, you know, let's start at the beginning. The, the, The song that put Little Richard on the map, the song that really put rock and roll on the map in a lot of ways uh, for a new uh, generation of listeners. Uh, Tutti Frutti from Little Richard on Sound Opinions. Download Sound Opinions wherever you get your podcasts. As always, the show was produced by Brendan Banizak, Alex Claiborne, and Andrew Gill. On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So give us a call on our hotline, 888-859-1800. Well, the telephone is ringing And my baby's on the line New messages. Hi, this is Kia from Atlanta. Just wanted to comment on the ladies of hip-hop. One significant prominent one for me is MC Light. I loved her flow. Cha 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 was one of my favorite songs. Check this one here for me and my DJ. You can cha 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 to the smarty crock. I'm the dopest female that you've heard thus far. And I do get better. The voice gets wetter. Nobody gets hurt. As long as you let her. Do my thing with an 89 swing. The dopeness I write, I guarantee delight. Until the hip hop maniac, the uptown brainiac in full effect. MC Light is back. She was like me. I was a tomboy but still loved boys, still hung out. I was just down. So she represented me more so than any other uh, female rapper. 
Thank you. Hi, this is Keith from Portland, Oregon, uh, calling about the All Hail the Ladies episode. Just listened to that, and and it reminded me of uh, Queen Latifah. Uh, one of my favorite songs of hers is off the uh, Nature of a Sister album, and it's called uh, One More Time. And it's just a super funky throwdown, but it kind of starts in a way that's interesting related to your show and the role of men, where uh, she starts off in sort of a aggressive rap mode, and then she's stopped by some producer, some male producer, and says, no, 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 you got to play it this way. And then she downshifts and, and crushes that, too. dynamic that's probably not what they explicitly had in mind in the show or the song but anyway great show and uh glad you guys are still putting it together while we're all in our little zones here with the quarantine thanks again bye hey guys this is cheryl calling from omaha nebraska um i loved your show about female hip-hop artists and i just wanted to say um one i haven't heard from in a while is dessa from Minneapolis. Um, she did a great song called Low Light, Low Life that I've been thinking about ever since uh, things have been the way they are. Thanks so much. Bye. It seems we're falling out of favor. The era ended on us. Now the money's just paper. The house is all haunted. We had a hell of a run before it caught up. For all the corners cut, we got an avalanche of sawdust. Light for the party with the death of the novel. The glass is half empty. So pass the next bottle. It's the flight of the salesman. Death of the bumblebee. Nothing left for the attorneys and the tumbleweeds. They say that God's on the right, so goes the rhetoric. But I think that cross is a kite. Hi, this is Mike Smith from Columbus, Ohio. And I thoroughly enjoyed your tribute to Bill Withers. And I just wanted to mention that I always felt like Bill Withers, who is one of my absolute favorites, was never considered, never, never really grouped in with the singer-songwriters. Uh, you even referred to him as folk soul. And there's nothing wrong with that. But during that, that singer-songwriter movement, there was a certain amount of importance put on some of those singer-songwriters after Dylan. Uh, you think about Joni Mitchell. You think about uh, James Taylor, Jackson Brown. Bill Withers fits perfectly within that group of people. And he was never really given that kind of recognition. Paint a portrait of tomorrow With no colors from today he is uh, absolutely a monumental American musician, singer-songwriter, and uh, I appreciated your tribute to him. Thank you. No more messages. To share your opinions on Sound Opinions, call 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.